Christmas is God entering into our world in flesh. Now, as we are, we are concluding today our series, Christmas Interruptions, and whenever we talk about the birth of Jesus and what it means, it is obviously it's tremendously significant, but there are a lot of things that sort of occur in life and that happen that sort of interrupt what, what Christmas is really all about, you know, what it means for us, why it's significant in life. And I'm sure that some of you can probably stand up and testify today to some of the interruptions that, that you are having uh, because Christmas has come. Now, I'm not going to ask any of y'all to do that and to share because I'm afraid that we might not get out of here. But also, I look around and I see some of you have your family with you. Now, we know and we love family, right? Everybody here, just go ahead and raise your hand. You love family? We all love family. So never say anything bad about family. But let me tell you something. Sometimes with family, not those who are in here, but probably the ones who stayed at home today, that, that, that family, man, it can be rough. You know, Christmas comes around, family comes over, and you're like, oh my gosh, how long does Christmas last? And so there's a lot of stuff that happens around Christmas. I mean, whenever Christmas comes, you have to make sure that you got plenty of food for everybody. Uh, you got to make sure that you bought people the right gifts. Um, if you're, you know, we're at that stage in our lives right now where we have a couple of, of our children now have left home. And so their rooms have become a little bit different. And now they're coming back and we're like, well, I guess we better put a bed back in that room. So there's just sort of these interruptions that come. And whenever that happens, you know, it's easy to kind of lose sight of Christmas and, and, and really what it's all about. Um, and so one, one thing that we don't want to do in life or one thing that we want to promote at Village Church is to promote the meaning of Christmas to promote what it's all about. You know, there's a story about how easy it is for us to lose sight of that which is truly important. Uh, Chuck Swindoll, one of my favorite preachers, told a story about an Eastern Airlines flight back in the 70s that was flying from, my, uh, from New York to Miami. And whenever they were coming in for a landing, there was a light that went off that indicated that the landing gear would, was not, had not deployed. And so they were, they were checking the light and they were trying to punch the button off to make it to make sure that they could turn it off and then go ahead and get the landing gear to deploy. But the light, it just kept staying on. They couldn't fix it. And so the engineer came over and he was working with the bulb and he's like, this just might be a defective bulb. Let me pull it out and see. And as he was trying to pull out the bulb, he could not get it out. Well, another, another person from the cockpit crew walked over and he began to help him work on that bulb. And so the plane, because they couldn't come in for a landing because they didn't know if the gear was down or not, they, had to, they, they began to circle around the Everglades. Before it was all said and done, everybody in the cockpit, including the pilot, was working on that bulb and they didn't realize that the altitude of the plane was getting lower and lower until the plane actually crashed. Now, now there is a lesson in that story. These people had forgotten the, the most important part of flying a plane, the most important lesson. Don't ever forget to fly the plane. And I think for many of us as Christians, that, that's what we do whenever it comes to Christmas and that we lose sight of what it's all about. We, we have all this noise that comes in from the outside during Christmas time and, and we can get so preoccupied with all the stuff on the outside of Christmas that we forget that Christmas is God coming into our world in flesh. And so today what we're going to do, we're going to look in our passage of Scripture and we're going to see that there were a group of men who entered into Jerusalem and they made their way into Bethlehem and they had a whole lot of noise that was going on around them for the very first Christmas. 
it would have been very easy for them to get sidetracked and, and not remember or not see what Christmas means, what it's all about. But somehow they were able to keep their attention and their focus on Christmas. So the question is, well, how did they do it? And hopefully they'll give us some lessons on how we can do it as well. So if you have your Bible, we're going to look in Matthew chapter 2 in verse number 9. It's a passage of Scripture you'll be very familiar with. It is the passage of Scripture about the wise men. Now, the wise men, I'm going to ask you all a question. How many wise men were there? Three. All right. So, now, that's, that is, now that, is, that is tradition. Now, what we're going to see, this is kind of interesting to me. Because, I mean, we all know there's three wise men. When we actually look in the Bible, what you're going to see, it does not ever tell us how many wise men there were. So that's just a little party favor I gave you all. So you all can break that out and show people how, you know, how brilliant you are. Okay, so that's it. We don't know how many wise men there were. But what, were, what are wise men? Well, wise men, they were wise. Okay, they're smart people. It says they came from the east. Now, what did wise men do? Wise men were men who were basically, they're like astronomers. They looked into the heavens to look at the stars to see what kind of star or what kind of message the stars were sending people. And as they were examining the stars in the sky, they noticed a star in particular that had popped up. And, and according to that star and where it was located in the sky, it indicated that there was going to be the birth of a great king. Now, whenever they saw this, they said, we're going to pack up and we are going to go see this great king. Now, you might say, well, that's just that's an interesting, nice, little, sweet Christmas story. But y'all, there's some stuff in history that shows that during this time, during the time when Jesus was born, there was a worldwide expectation that a deliverer was going to come. Now, let me share with you a couple of sources that we have. There was a man named Suetonius. He was not in the Bible. He was a Roman historian. And he wrote during this time, about the time of Jesus' birth, he wrote, There had spread all over the Orient an old and established belief that it was fated at this time for men coming from Judea, which is Israel, to rule the world. That's kind of interesting. It's coming from a guy who's not a, not a follower of God. Another historian, Tacitus, wrote this. He said, There is a firm persuasion that at this very time the East was to grow powerful and rulers from Judea were to acquire a universal empire. Another historian named Josephus, he's not in the Bible either. Uh, he was a famous historian, wrote the Jewish Wars, but in, in his writings he said there was an established belief that there would be one who would rise up from Judea who would rule the habitable earth. Now, I just think that's, that stuff is interesting to me. And so it's during this time when all these people are looking forward to a world leader coming onto the scene, the wise men saw this star in the sky that indicated that there would be a great person, a great king born. And so as they make their way to the great king, there was a whole lot of noise going on. There's a whole lot of distractions out there. And yet somehow, they were, to, they were able to keep their focus on searching for this king. Now what I want us to look at today is to look at some things that we can do to shut out the noise of Christmas. And y'all, it's getting kind of late because you might have noticed it is December 24th. 
So you need to start shutting out, shutting out the noise right now on the very last shopping day before Christmas, okay? So what are some things that we can do to shut out the noise? When we look at the wise men, what did they do to shut out the noise? Well, it began with this. It began with them, they were looking for Jesus. If you want to shut out all the noise around you, make sure that during this time that you actually spend time looking for, seeking after Jesus. Now look with me in verse number 9. It says, after hearing the king, it's talking about King Herod, it says they went on their way to the wise men. And there it was, the star they had seen in the east, and it led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Now, if you look back in verse number 2, you'll see whenever they first arrived into Jerusalem, and they probably came somewhere like in the Iraq, modern-day Iraq region, or maybe even Persia, when they came into town, that says in verse number 2, they begin to ask people this, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Now, they showed up in town expecting that everybody else was looking for Jesus too. They showed up in town believing that everybody else was just as focused as they were in seeing the new Messiah. But what's interesting is the people had no idea what they were talking about. Now, you have to remember, the last few weeks I, I, I've shared with you all that, that the prophets in the Old Testament had been prophesying about, or they'd prophesied 700 years before that there would be a Messiah that would be coming. And so all the people of Israel, they can't wait. The Messiah is going to come. We are looking for him to come. Well, it's interesting here. He finally comes, and they didn't even notice it. Now, how is that possible? How'd that happen? Well, what happened is they got all the noise from life coming in around them so much that they missed out on the birth of Jesus. You know, by the time the wise men showed up in Bethlehem, Jesus was not, he wasn't a little tiny baby anymore. He was two years old. Now, which is interesting for the Messiah, who they've been looking forward to for hundreds of years, finally shows up. And now here he is. He's been around for two years, and they don't even recognize it. How is that possible? They got sidetracked. The wise men in our text, they, they did not get sidetracked. The man who was in charge at this time of this country was King Herod. And King Herod wanted to sidetrack the wise men. He wanted to sidetrack everybody from following after Jesus. Now, now we've heard about Herod. Whenever you read the Christmas story, you always hear about King Herod. And he's an interesting guy when you look him up. As a matter of fact, we are, my family and some other people from church, we're going to be going to Israel this week. And whenever we go there, a lot of the buildings that still stand over there were built by King Herod. He's a great builder. But Herod, he was a crazy man. He was made king by the Romans. He was only half Jewish, which meant that the people that lived there at the time, they did not see him as being a legitimate ruler. Now, because of that, he was a paranoid guy, always thought that people were going to try to take away his kingdom and his throne. So if anybody got in his way, if he saw anybody as a threat, he, just, he would just knock them off. And when I say knock them off, he would kill them. And it didn't matter who they were. He killed three of his sons because he thought his sons were trying to steal his kingdom. He killed one of his ten wives because he thought she was trying to undermine him. He even killed one of the religious leaders, the high priest of the day, because he didn't like what he was saying. 
Caesar Augustus, who we read about um, earlier, Caesar Augustus, who called for the called for the census, said he would rather be Herod's pig than be his son. Now the wise men, by the time they get to get to Jerusalem, they meet with King Herod, and whenever they tell him the news, hey, there's been a king of the Jews born. Who's Herod? He's the king of the Jews. So a new king's been born. Now, how do you think he received that news? Well, in verse number 3, it says he was deeply disturbed. The word disturbed, it means he was agitated. His calmness of mind was gone. What was his response whenever he lost his calmness of mind? Well, if anything gets in my way, I will eliminate it. So the wise men at this time, they could have said, this guy is crazy. Let's go ahead and just scoot on out of town before he does anything to us. But they refused to get sidetracked. What did they do after they talked to Herod? Well, if you look in verse number 9, it tells us, but they went on their way and they were looking for Jesus. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you spending time, are you spending time looking for Jesus? You know, in this season where we have family coming over, where we're excited about that, where we are buying gifts, sharing things for one another, are you allowing those things to take your attention away from looking for Jesus. Now, I think sometimes we allow circumstances to blind us. And circumstances pop up. So I don't have time to look for Jesus right now. I got got to get some cooking done. I, I don't have time to look for Jesus right now. There are some things that I have to do with my children before I can actually start spending time with Jesus. Let me tell you something. If there's ever anything in your circumstances that causes you not to look for Jesus, then you need to change your circumstances. Because if you begin to look for Jesus, the Bible says you will find him. And that's one of the great promises that we have in Scripture. If you want to find Jesus, if you look for him, the Bible says you'll find him. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Make sure that in life you are searching for the truth. Now, Don't settle for the counterfeit stuff of life. Seek for the one who gives life. You know, one of my favorite stories is about a guy in Pittsburgh who had some counterfeit money. And so he thought he had this great plan. He said, I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to use this counterfeit money. I'll buy a couple of things, and then I'll get change back, real money back. It's a way I can make money. Now, I look at that, just humanly speaking. I go, that's not a bad idea. And so he goes to the grocery store, and he thinks, I'm going to get some money. I'll be able to pay off some bills with this real money. Now, typically, you know, the thing that would have been good for him is, you know, a lot of times counterfeit money comes in like $20 bills, but he didn't use a $20 bill. This guy's, this guy's a big thinker. And so he, went, he didn't use a $100 bill. He used a counterfeit $1 million bill. Okay, now there's some weird stuff about that. Okay, for one, I mean, you need to set your sights a little bit higher on going to a grocery store. I mean, what cash registers? Oh, a million dollars and change. Hang on. And so he goes there and he hands the guy a million dollars thinking, I'm going to get cash back. Well, the guy's like, uh, I don't think this is going to work. He got his manager. They called the police. The guy ends up getting arrested. The guy, the guy was going after the counterfeit. He was going after stuff that wasn't real. And and that's my encouragement for you in Christmas. Don't get sidetracked by the counterfeit stuff of life. Like, if I just simply have more, then my life will be happy. If I get people the right things, 
then maybe they'll love me. The Bible says seek after Jesus because he is the one who loves you, who gives life. Jesus said in John 10.10, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So what can we do to shut up the noise around us, to come into contact with Christ? Well, it starts with you look for Jesus. Spend your time looking for him. What else can we do? Well, it also involves worshiping Jesus. Now look with me in, in verse number 11. It says, Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, the wise men had been in Jerusalem asking where this king was going to be born, and they found out that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem's only about seven miles, seven miles away from Jerusalem. So they had had a short trip. So they make their way to Jerusalem, or to make their way to Bethlehem, and whenever they get to Bethlehem, they walk in, and they see that there is, remember, they're following the star, and they see that there is Mary and with this little child. Now, what did they do when they saw Jesus? Our text says they got on their knees and they worshipped him. You know, all this outside clutter of life, they weren't distracted. They saw Jesus and they got on their knees and they worshipped him. Now, it's interesting to me that they were with King Herod earlier. You don't see that whenever they... This is a guy who's actually wearing a crown. When, When they saw Herod, they did not get on their knees and worship him. But when they saw Jesus, that's exactly what they did. Now, the question is, why would they do that? I mean, it's not like whenever they saw Jesus and the location of where he was, that it was all that impressive. Jesus was in a town of Bethlehem. That's where he was born. Jerusalem's the big city. They come seven miles away. The town of Bethlehem at this time probably had about a hundred people who lived in it. When they went into where Jesus was born... We all know that he was born in a, in a house that was filled with animals. What was Jesus lying in? Y'all remember the, the crib he was in? The manger. Y'all know what a manger is? It sounds nice. It's a feeding trough. I mean, that's where Jesus is. Does that, that, doesn't that just shout out royalty to you? Feeding trough, I think of kings automatically. Okay, so here they are. They, they walk in. They see, they see the surroundings of Jesus. And what do they do? They bowed down and they worshipped him. Why? Because they were looking at things from a heavenly perspective, not an earthly one. Remember the heavenly perspective? They're looking to the sky and they see the star. They weren't following what people say. They weren't following what culture says. You know, people and culture, they will tell us what is right and what is wrong. People and culture will tell us what we should worship and what we should not worship. But these men were not swayed by popular opinion. They were swayed by what was shown to them from the heavens. Now, so what is it that makes Jesus different? I mean, other than the fact that he was born in, you know, using, using our vernacular today, other than the fact that he's born in a barn. What makes Jesus different? His parentage. And if you look at who his parents are, it's pretty significant. Matthew 1, 20 and 21 says, The angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him, Joseph, in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. And she'll give birth to a son, 
And you're to name him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. You know what that means? Jesus is literally the Son of God. That's different. He's not just a regular kid. He is the Son of God. Not only that, but he was going to be, or he was the Son of God who dealt with sin and never sinned himself. Hebrews 4.15 tells us, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet was without sin. You know what that means? It means he gave Jesus the ability to enter into our world in order to deal with the penalty of sin and be a perfect sacrifice for people. Christmas is a big deal. See, Jesus is the one who reconciles us to God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed, and look, new things have come. Everything is from God, who reconciled us to himself, how? Through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So what happens? So here comes the wise men, they see Jesus, and they get on their knees, and they worship him. Why? Because of who he is. They noticed the extraordinary while the world was blinded by the ordinary. A good example of this is a couple of years ago I read the biography called The Wright Brothers. I don't know if any of y'all have ever read that book by David McCullough. And it's a, it's a great book. And so they, one of the parts in the book is right after they have built the plane and they have the first men to ever fly, Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, it's 1903, they sent a telegram back home. They were from Ohio. And so they sent this telegram back home and to the family. And the telegram said, we had success on our flights. They're very excited. They said, but we'll be home for Christmas. The newspaper got this story, and it's really interesting. In the newspaper, I think it's in Dayton, Ohio, that story, they put a story in the paper about it, about their Kitty Hawk experience. It was on the back page of the paper. And on the back page, it said, Wright Brothers, comma, bicycle repairman, will be home for Christmas. It didn't say anything about the very first flight. Isn't that crazy? What happened? Well, they were blinded by the ordinary to where they did not see the extraordinary. Y'all, that happens all the time. Happens on Christmas. It happened on the very first Christmas. People didn't even know Jesus had been born yet. And so whereas the rest of Bethlehem and other people looked into a house, they saw a crying baby, whereas the wise men saw a king. Whenever the rest of the world looked into, looked into Mary and Joseph's life, they saw another hungry mouth to feed, whereas the wise men saw a redeemer. So, so how can we keep from getting sidetracked on Christmas? How can we shut out the noise? Well, look for Jesus. Take time looking for him. Worship him. And here's the last one. Give to Jesus. Be willing to give to Jesus. And look with me again in, in verse number 11. It says, Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh very first gifts on Christmas. Now, I know for me, whenever, whenever I think of Christmas, typically, and, and I'll be honest with you, we have, we have a Christmas tree up at the house, we have gifts under the tree, it's still pretty cool for me to go over there and see like a box that's kind of big with my name on it. And I'm thinking, 
I can't wait to open that thing. And whenever I was a kid, I really, it just got to a point where I thought, you know what Christmas is about? It's about me. It's about what gifts am I going to get? And so it's just kind of exciting. I can't wait for Christmas because I can't wait to see what I get. Okay, now I look into Scripture. And that, that, that's, not, that's not Christmas. The wise men were not looking to see what they were going to get for Christmas. They were looking to see what they were going to give for Christmas. And so they show up. They show up at Jesus' house and they bring him gifts. Okay, y'all can tell me. What are the gifts they bring Jesus? There's three of them. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Right. Three fantastic gifts, right? Okay, now I don't know about y'all. Gold, I know what that is. Frankincense and myrrh, something with Frankenstein. And uh, myrrh, have no idea, right? So, I mean, I'm like, that, that sounds really neat. It sounds, it sounds nice. So what is this stuff? Well, when they came to Jesus, they came to Jesus, and they brought him gifts that were fit for who he was. Gold was a kingly gift. When they gave gold to Jesus, they were recognizing the position of Jesus. Who is Jesus? He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We will bring him gold. They brought him frankincense. What is frankincense? You know, when we go to Israel, they actually sell it. I, might, I probably need to buy some and bring them back. It is a, this is kind of interesting, it is a resin from a tree. And they would use it as incense. The, the high priest would use it to burn it in the temple. He would light it in the temple. What does that signify? It signifies who Jesus was. Jesus was not only the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he is also our high priest. And then the last one was myrrh. What is myrrh? Myrrh is also a resin that comes from a tree, but it was used in the embalming of bodies. That's, that's sort of a, a pick-me-up gift. <laughs> you know, hey, we're going to give you a, a, an embalming fluid. Okay, but, but here's what the Bible says about that. John 19, verses 39 through 40, it says, Nicodemus, who had previously come to him at night to Jesus, had also came, and he brought a mixture of about 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. Then they took Jesus' body and wrapped it in linen cloths with these aromatic spices according to the burial custom of the Jews. They brought him myrrh. What does that signify? It signified that they understood who Jesus was. Jesus was going to be a sacrifice for the sins of people. Remember his name, Jesus. It means Savior. He was coming to save people from their sins. Verse number 11 says, When these men came before Jesus, they opened their treasures to the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Are you opening the treasures that you have to the Lord? Now you might be thinking, are you talking about giving money again? I'm, I'm going to set you at ease here. So I'm talking about. So are, are, are you opening up your life as a gift to God this year? As we celebrate Christmas, what treasures are you opening up from your family as a gift to Jesus? I said, what can I do? What are you talking about? What can I get? I think some of the things that we can do is to take time to look for Jesus. Whenever you're sitting with your children, if you have children or maybe grandchildren, go to the book of Matthew or Luke and read, before you open up your gifts, the Christmas story. It has a way of redirecting your thoughts, your focus. What else can we do? How can we open up our treasures to the Lord? I, you know, I think another thing to do is to ask your family this year, 
not make it weird, but maybe when you're sitting down, say, hey, you know what, this past year, tell me something good God has done for you this year. We say, oh, that, well, that was from God. Redirects your focus. A guy named Francis Chan, who is a pastor, was a pastor in California, has a family of five. He says one thing he and his family do is they make pancakes every Christmas morning. He says, and we go downtown and, and we see people who, you know, who aren't with family or people who are struggling. He said, we make breakfast for them. We give them pancakes every Christmas. That's what we do as a way to give. Our family, whenever we travel, when, when it's on Christmas Day, we will, uh, when, if we're eating somewhere, stop to eat somewhere, and typically it's whenever we go to Emily's parents' um, home or we stop at a gas station, we'll get, we'll get a $100 bill. And uh, you know, not that that's, that's significant, but we have a $100 bill, and whoever is serving us will give it to them on Christmas. Not to be impressive. I mean, it'd be cool if it was, they'd be like, I'd like that million-dollar bill, it'd be even better. But, you know, $100 bill, it's a way for us. It, it's about, it's, Lord, we are giving. We are giving because you have given to us. And, you know, whenever we take time to open our treasures to the Lord, it will change the way you view Christmas. Now, here's the deal. It gets noisy around Christmas. A lot of distractions and interruptions that happen around Christmas. So, so how do we shut out the noise and really take time to think about what Christmas means? Well, I look at the wise men. They spent their time looking for Jesus. They spent their time worshiping Jesus. And they spent their time giving to Jesus. And if you will allow these three things to be a part of your life this Christmas... I promise you this, it will be a different celebration for you and your family. A lot of Christmas interruptions. But don't forget, Christmas is God entered into our world in flesh to redeem you. Heavenly Father, I am grateful for your word. I am grateful, Lord, that there is Christmas that you in your, in your great power and glory as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, you humbled yourself and you took on flesh in order to redeem us. God, I pray that as we celebrate Christmas that we will do so with the spirit of thanksgiving, Lord, that we will that we'll just simply, that we will acknowledge Jesus on Christmas I pray that with all the noise that goes on there's a lot of good things you know family and friends and giving those are all wonderful things but Lord I pray that we will not be blinded by those things to where we don't see you and what you've done for us Lord may this truly be a Merry Christmas and I pray these things in Jesus name